As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome back, and welcome to Draft Week. Zach Kiefer here with James Boyd. The Colts are almost you know, 48 hours away from what could be a franchise-changing decision. Fourth overall pick, you guys know this, weeks, months of speculation, of rumors, of everything under the sun being speculated about what this team's going to do at the number four spot. Maybe they're at number three by the end of the night on Thursday, maybe not. We'll see. But James, congratulations on making it to the finish line. We haven't really started our draft coverage in terms of what they're going to do. That comes Thursday night, Friday, and all day Saturday, and then into next week. But here we go. It's going to be a fun weekend. They're going to they're going to draft a quarterback. I really really feel pretty strongly about that. But before we get into Levis and Richardson and maybe even C.J. Stroud, let's go back to Friday. We finally heard from Chris Ballard, the Colts general manager. They are required to talk to us before the draft. This is not something he particularly wanted to do. He said that he's a dancer in that setting because he doesn't want to give out too much information, which I totally get. But James, what was your biggest takeaway from our sit down with Chris Ballard? And and we're not going to get a lot, but did we get anything? I think we got that he's not going to be pigeonholed into what the national sense is, which is Will Levis. I mean, there's been multiple reports from multiple outlets saying that he's the cultist guy, and he seemed very adamant about dispelling that and ending that and maintaining his leverage. Now, I wrote this in my big board the other day. This doesn't mean that Will Levis is out, like he's completely against the guy. It just means that, again, he wants to maintain his leverage and make sure that people aren't saying something is going to happen when you know it is best for them to remain fluid. Because at the end of the day, even if that is the guy, you don't know what other teams might think. That might force your hand. That might ruin what you're trying to do. And it might cost you something, you know, if you want to make sure you get that guy. So that was my biggest takeaway. The other stuff, I mean, I said it today, talking to uh, Kevin and Jake this morning, but it was a Friday. I was like, let's just get out of here. Like, nothing's going to really come from this. So we we do our jobs. And I take it very serious. I think we ask good questions. But obviously, we're not going to get very much from a GM um, like Chris Ballard or any GM for that matter, because who's going to really tip their hand or tell you what they're going to do days away from, in Ballard's case, probably the biggest decision of his tenure. 
there's always this assumption that we've targeted one player. This is what Chris Ballard said. And that one player, my assumption is that he's talking about Will Levis. That's what everybody has the Colts targeting. Mm -hmm. That's the main assumption right now. I don't know if that's an accurate assumption. Matter of fact, I'd say it's not. I think you're right. Ballard doesn't want to be predictable. He doesn't want other people knowing what he thinks. I don't think this is a smokescreen. I don't think he's going out there to say, now we don't like Will Levis when we actually do. I think he's just saying, you guys think you know what we're doing and you don't. And I tend to believe that. I have not heard their high on Will Levis. That's what I've heard. This is not a report. Everything out there right now is a rumor. And we don't know what the final answer is going to be. And frankly, nothing matters until Thursday night, 8 o'clock when the draft starts. But I have not heard what everyone else has heard, that they're really high on Will Levis. I know that they've talked to him. They had a private workout with him in Lexington. They talked to him as recently as last Saturday. Now, he's certainly a player they're evaluating. But they've done the same amount of work on Anthony Richardson. And they also met with C.J. Stroud. I don't think it's Levis. That's just my gut right now. And and if I'm wrong, I'll have egg on my face on Thursday night, and that's fine. And I should have listened to everyone else out there. (laughs) But that's not what I'm hearing. What did you walk away Friday thinking they were going to do? Like, which quarterback do you feel like is the guy they're going to pull the trigger on? It feels like it could be Richardson. And I say that because you talk about how you can improve accuracy, which is what Shane Steichen has said. Good, because you're going to need to, because 53.8 ain't going to cut it in the NFL. No, no. And Will Levis was much higher at Kentucky, which is worth noting. I believe Richardson was 13 out of 14 starting quarterbacks in the SEC last year. Correct. In completion percentage, which wasn't obviously great. But then you also look at how he helped Jalen Hurts develop. And again, people can brag about Jalen Hurts now, talk about how great he is now, and I'm one of them. But there were not you know, this amount of people saying he was going to be a superstar two or three years ago. That just wasn't the case. Um, Anyone telling you that is providing revisionist history because there were question marks about him even being picked in the second round, you know, for the Eagles. And then being the starter in 2021, the full-time starter, is he the guy to, oh my gosh, this is a top five quarterback in the NFL. Now, obviously it helps to go out and get playmakers, you know, they have two number ones over there, and as far as I'm concerned, and Devontae Smith and, you know, uh, I'm blanking on the other guy right now. A.J. Brown. Um, a- Pretty a. good player. Brown. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, A.J. for listening. I apologize. You're, you're a dude. But I do think, again, his development as an individual was a sight to see, and Shane Steichen was his offensive coordinator in two of the most pivotal years of his career. The year that, again, there were question marks about him being a starter to the year he took him to the Super Bowl. So... I think that if you sense that you can pull some of those traits out of Anthony Richardson and get, you know, a similar result, then obviously that would be, you know, the ultimate home run. It just feels like with him being just 20, that also gives you more time in a sense to develop him. Now, infrastructure matters. Patience matters. What you put around him matters. And I will speak to few of the assistants coming up here tomorrow, actually. So I'm excited to talk to the new quarterbacks coach, talk to Reggie Wayne to see like, what does it take, you know, to help, you know, build this cocoon around this guy so he doesn't just, you know, crash and burn. So that'd be very interesting. But I just think that when you look at Richardson's physical gifts, and I also think that his floor is higher than people give him credit for, even with his decision-making, like the running gives him a higher floor than people give him credit for. But his decision-making improved drastically towards the end of the season. So that's something to keep in mind with his numbers. When you look at his numbers just in totality, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions, you're like, ah, not that great. But then 
I think over the back half of the season, it was like 12 to two or something like that. Yeah. Which is really better, good. Which is a really good, important aspect of this. Exactly. So, Zach, for you, I mean, if the decision is Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, I've read your pieces on which case, you know, for each guy. But if you had to pick, you know, who would you pick and why, considering, again, this is the most pivotal decision that this franchise will face probably for a few years. I feel like. Over the last four or five years, if the Colts had been in this situation, Levis would have been the pick. I feel like he's a better fit in some ways. He's more pro-ready. Everything we've heard about him, he's football-obsessed. He lives for the game. He's built like, Mm -hmm. you know, like Peyton Manning said, he's built like a cyborg or whatever the quote was. And that's why I'm going the other way. I'm going with Anthony Richardson. The Colts need to do what they wouldn't usually do. They need to take a chance. They need to take a gamble and bet on those high-end traits. In the past, the last couple of years, they have drafted guys under the guise that we're drafting this guy a year early, right? In a year, we're not going to be able to get him. He's going to be too high in the draft. And who knows? But I think Richardson, if he had come back to Florida and improved that accuracy, he might have been able to climb into that conversation with Caleb Williams and Drake May. Who knows how that's all going to shake out? Who knows how those guys' seasons are going to go? You'd probably put money down that Caleb Williams would go number one next year to whoever it is, and that's probably a safe bet. But I could see the Colts understanding that we're getting this guy a year early. Richardson's 20 years old. (laughs) He's got so much room to grow. And the thing I keep going back to are those instincts. And this is maybe this is just how I see the quarterback position. I'm not sure you can really improve pocket feel in the pro game because everything's faster and tighter and the defenses are better and the windows are smaller. You can improve accuracy. Ballard says you you can't improve it a lot. I think that trend seems to be changing a little bit in the league. Jalen Hurts is a great example. He improved his accuracy six points this year. That's a huge jump. That's a huge jump. And obviously, Josh Allen improved his 11 points from years two to three. And Steichen's on the record saying you can improve it with better mechanics, which Richardson needs, and you can scheme for it. And I really believe Richardson's a guy you can build your scheme around. And if he grows into what you're talking about, you mentioned the floor. If he grows into the floor and then the ceiling or or somewhere near that, this dude's going to scare the hell out of defensive coordinators for a long time because of what he can do every part of the field. And I just feel like this is a non-characteristic Colts decision. They haven't rolled the dice on guys like this with huge red flags in terms of accuracy before. But I think it's time to do it because you're going to bet on your coach. You're going to bet on your infrastructure. You're going to bet on patience. I think Jim Mercer needs to be patient with this. And you're going to bet on a guy that could be could be the next Herbert, the next Lamar, the next Burrow, the next Mahomes, the best, the next big dog in the AFC, because mediocre is not going to cut it. Ryan Tannehill is not going to cut it, etc. I think we know enough about what Will Levis is. He's 23, and we don't know enough about what Anthony Richard can be that I think it's worth trying to find out. So give me the option between Levis and Richardson. I'm going Richardson for that reason. But as you will write in a couple days, there might be a third guy in this discussion and I could still see going Richardson over Stroud. I wouldn't do it, but would you? And is that a realistic possibility you feel like? Man, I guess uh, we'll have to see in the piece that I write, but I will say this. That's um, a good tease for you. <laughs> I'll say that I, I think that floors, ceilings are overrated to a certain extent. I think in any sport, people love ceilings until you don't reach them. But then also, I think floors might be underrated because it does matter what you are right now. Like Daniel Jeremiah once said of Andrew Luck, his floor is multi-year pro bowler. Like if that's the worst case scenario, that's not bad. Bill Polian famously shouted 
at Jim Irsay in the day before the 1998 draft. And by the way, plug our, our colleague Bob Kravitz has a great read coming about the 98 draft that with a lot of stories that no one knows about. Uh, anyway, he shouted at Jim Irsay about Peyton Manning saying, if this doesn't work out, he's going to be Bernie Kosar. Can you live with the next Bernie Kosar? Peyton was never going to be Bernie Kosar. But you're right. The floors matter in these guys' minds because what's the worst case scenario? They have to prepare for that. Right. And so I think that it also goes back to what Shane Steichen said. Accuracy, decision-making, ability to create. C.J. Stroud checks those boxes. Accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. It was yeah. alarming how much different his his throws were than Levis's at the two pro days I went to. Yeah, and even at the combine, I mean, everyone was wowed by Richardson's 40 time is vertical, but when it came to throwing the ball, T.J. Stroud won that day. Now, Bryce Young didn't throw, but at the combine, he was, you know, a top leaderboard as far as throwing the ball. That's a good point. And one of the biggest knocks on C.J. Stroud is, well, I guess there's two, like, how does he operate when things break down around him in the pocket? You know, obviously you played Ohio State. You have a lot of talented players around you. You usually got a lot of clean pockets. And then also the legs, which is so like fascinating to me because I'm like, wow, the league has really changed because now you're getting criticized for not using your legs, which, you know, 20 years ago, it was stand in there and dissect everyone. And that just isn't the thing anymore. So what gives me, um, I guess, a little bit of encouragement is obviously the Georgia tape was amazing. He looked like the best player um, in the sport, you know, for a night. But it's not because, like, when he doesn't run, it's not because he can't. And he, he addressed that himself at the combine and said, yeah, I've told teams, like, I probably could have used my legs more. And part of that might be just preserving him. I mean, if you're Ohio State, you don't want your quarterback running and doing a bunch of stuff he doesn't have to. Like, everyone I talked to in college football is like, yeah, they didn't want him to run. And if your coaches are telling you not to run, you got Marvin Harrison out there and Smith and Jugba, like, yeah, you could throw it. Yeah, I mean, and it makes sense to protect yourself. And at the end of the day, as much as college coaches want you to succeed and go to the next level, helps their program. They're trying to win right now. And it's hard to win without your top quarterback. If he's, you know, hurt or if he messes up a knee or an ankle or something like that, running around, he doesn't have to. But um, I think that those factors will weigh in. But again, with Richardson, it feels like you're holding a, a lottery ticket. That's different than in years past. I get it. Even with Mahomes, even with Josh Allen, they were lottery tickets as well, and you're betting on their upside. But no one has been this physically gifted at the position, arguably ever. I mean, that's that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at a 1% of the 1% when it comes to just athletic traits. Anthony Richardson makes other guys look unathletic. He makes Will Levis look unathletic, and Levis is built like a tight end. Yes, and I remember Will Levis saying at the Combine, Hey, you know, I got a cannon arm. I'm going to show it off. And I was like, okay, you should say that. You know, you should build yourself up. But then you get to the combine and Richardson has a bigger cannon. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything he does looks easy. And he just looks like he's built for the NFL. I mean, he just looks unbelievable as far as his build. So, I mean, obviously leadership matters as well. I think that you know, just and again, this is just our perspective. We didn't get a chance to do top 30 visits and sit down and be a fly on the wall. But in the interviews, when we talked to them at the combine, CJ Stroud, in my opinion, was far and away the best interview. You know, there was authenticity, there was humor, there was confidence. Bryce Young could be all those things, but 
he was more reserved and, and, and it was very much, you know, rudimentary answers about, you know, teammates and coaches and just happy to be here. T.J. Stroud, you know, he was like, no, I thought I was the best player in football in college football the last, you know, year, last two years. And so and I also think that there's something to be said about coming up short. So not beating Michigan, not winning a national championship, but still being one of the greatest quarterbacks in program history, but not maybe get, getting into the upper echelon that eats at him. And I think that might drive him even more in the NFL. So there's a lot to, you know, digest, but I'm excited about it just because again, as Michael Pittman Jr. said, no one really knows, you know, someone throws mm. a left hook there at the top of the draft. This could change a lot. And you see the betting lines and people are already messaging me about the betting lines. I'll just say this betting lines aren't, you know, hundred percent accurate. Otherwise they wouldn't be bets. So there's that. <laughs> and I think I think the draft doesn't start until number two. I think, uh, you know, everyone's pretty confident that Bryce Young will go number one to Carolina mm-hmm. and, then, and yeah. then Houston. And Chris Ballard, we asked him straight up, do you have any idea what's going to happen at one, two, and three? And he said, I have no idea. And it, it seemed to be genuine that, you know, we know what's going to happen at one, most people figure. But at two, that's where it gets interesting because the buzz and the chatter and the speculation over the last week has really seemed to indicate Houston is not sold on taking a quarterback. I'm not sure I believe that. This team is starting Davis Mills right now, and they have Case Keenum. Thank and you they're for picking number that. two, and they have Thank no talent. It's time to yeah. take a swing on a quarterback, and there's there's a lot to like about this group. I just don't believe Houston's going to pass on a quarterback until I actually see it happen. To your point, just to piggyback, and if you don't take a quarterback – and then by some miracle, you miss out. Like you, your record isn't bad enough to get a Drake May, to get a Caleb Williams. You're further back. So again, you cannot bank on, oh, we'll just get the next guy. Cause again, football is brutal. One of these guys, I'm not saying I, I hope it doesn't happen, but they could get hurt. That's a very real possibility. And number two is like, you might end up with a tie, you know, against the Colts. You that might ruins beat the Colts in the other game. <laughs> exactly. That ruins your position. Like, Davis Mills isn't, you know, I'm not saying he's going to come out there and be the Terminator, but he isn't exactly trying to lose games because to him it's losing his job. So if he wins four games next year, then what? It wouldn't surprise me at all if all this chatter turns out to be BS and they just go CJ Stroud at two. And then the conversation turns into what are teams going to offer Arizona if they want to move up to that third spot? It's pretty clear that Arizona wants to move out. What's the play then for the Colts? Do they feel enough conviction to move up to block out some other teams that might be coming from five or seven or 11 or whatever? That's what I don't know. I feel like if it's Richardson, you might have to trade up. You might have to. And again, I've said this all along. What are they going to give up? What are they going to do? It doesn't matter. If you get the guy, it doesn't matter what you give up. It does not matter if you get the right guy quarterback. The cost of moving up one spot will will be negligible down the line, and you will continue to ignore it because it won't be a a big factor. And like you said, they have three fifth round picks. Like, you know, that could sweeten the pot a little bit. I think that the pot sweetening wouldn't have to be, you know, all that sweet for the Colts just because you're moving back one place if you're the, if you're the Cardinals. I think so the I think Cardinals they, don't want to move too far back, right? They exactly. need talent. They don't have anything right now. And they need a Will Anderson or whatever. I mean, obviously negotiation would have to go really quick if you're in the middle of the draft and you're making decisions and things like that. But I do think if the Colts offered, you know, hey, we'll give you a 2024 second rounder, um, a fifth rounder, and number four to move up to number three. If you're the Cardinals, unless you have a team that's willing to give you a ton of stuff to move up, you know, if it's the Raiders or if it's, you know, the Tennessee, 
I mean, why wouldn't you move back one spot, recoup some draft capital, and draft the same player you would anyway, assuming it's like Will Anderson or a defensive end? If the Colts are moving up, you know exactly that your guy is still going to be on the board. So you're still going to get that A-level player. Chris right. Ballard said the Colts have 17 first-round grades. So that's kind of interesting because there's 32 first-round picks, obviously. What did you make of this, James? Because his demeanor was, I thought, a little confident, a little cocky, a little breezy on Friday. And I get it. He's trying to exude confidence. He said, I think you guys feel more pressure than I do sometimes. When you do the work, the pressure is not as great. It's what people make it out to be. There's not a lot of angst within you. I get that to a degree. And he likened it to a, a student in college taking a test. If you've studied it and if you know your stuff, you feel really good when you walk in the door. If you don't, what the heck's going to go on? But the other thing is you can't control this, this, this draft. You can't control what's going to happen. You don't know what other teams are going to do. You're going to be put into some situations where you have to think fast, quickly. And he pushed back on my comment about the stakes of this draft, but I'm holding firm. This is everything. This is everything for him. Where do you think his mindset is? And were you surprised at how much he pushed back at the importance of this decision Thursday night? No. Ballard's always going to exude confidence. I think that's his style. And honestly, it's probably good for any GM to do that. You never want to seem like you're in a panicked that's true. state. That's true. Or in a in a state where you're not confident. However, the stakes are very high. The pressure is high. Whether he feels it or not is something for him to share, I guess. I'm not in his brain or body. But if I were, I would feel an immense amount of pressure because this is the highest you will likely draft. Unless you really screw it up this year. Yeah, and I don't know. Good goodness gracious. Do not trade back, but you know, assuming you select someone at number four or more to number three, that's the highest you drafted during your tenure, a tenure that, I mean, if you look at the totality of it, has done nothing for the franchise. I mean, you don't have any yeah. division titles. You're below 500. Um, you survived a couple of different coaching fires and changes, but you're, you know, it's, it's now you, you know, the rubber has met the road. You're, in my opinion, you've run out of a leash so to speak now i'm not saying yeah. like he's on the like chopping block it's all it's all nothing but as you know you were there to listen to it when ursay said it you know at the nfl owners meetings there is less of a backing than than there was at the end of the season or even when jeff saturday was hired like he was ursay was all in on ballard and then he kind of pulled back a little and said hey everyone's got to perform everyone's got to be evaluated which again this in my opinion this quarterback decision is the biggest so as far as like pressure the most is on ballard it's not ursay it's ursay's team he's not going anywhere it's not Steichen. you just hired him he's not going anywhere it's not even the quarterback itself really because he doesn't pick himself it's you you know and the decision you make as the gm so there is a considerable amount of pressure there obviously he's never gonna let us see him sweat which again is a good thing i would feel a lot differently if i'm looking at a gm and he looks like he's yeah you know, nervous doesn't know what he's gonna do Right, but I mean, and and he does know to a certain extent what he's gonna do because oh he knows we I can talk about knows. you know you don't have an idea you do have contingency plans because that's what anyone if you would don't do. then you're not qualified to have that position exactly uh, he's got and I asked him this and I understand that he couldn't answer it but I said do you know what you're willing to give up to move up to three if you want to do that and he wouldn't answer you pressed him on it though they've workshopped all of this right. What if Stroud falls? Are we willing to go up to three? Here's what we're willing to give up. What if it's Levis and Richardson at four? What do we do? What if Anthony Richardson's gone I and mean, it's only Will Levis? Are we still convicted in him enough to go get him? And I'm just making this up, but 
you have to workshop all of this. And that's what the last week, week and a half have been about. The one thing we don't have a window into that I'm very curious about are those top 30 visits. They went down and they worked out Will Levis and Lexington. They worked out Anthony Richardson. Look, these guys, they are what they are. You can talk yourself into either of them physically, right? They both got great arms. They can make throws that beat defenses. They can process mm-hmm. a little bit more than people probably give them credit for, especially Richardson. But what were they like in the interviews? And I feel like this is the wild card, and this is the Steichen angle that I think is so important. Steichen wants a guy that's all about ball. It feels like that guy is Will Levis in a lot of aspects. This is what his teammates says, what his coaches said. I don't know Anthony Richardson as well. And again, he's only 20. He's going to grow into this. But that's really the window. And it wouldn't surprise me if late Thursday night, Ballard comes out and says, you know, we really liked everything we saw on tape. And then when we sat down with him, this was what we heard. And this is what really cemented the decision in our minds. But we weren't there. We weren't in those interviews. That's, I feel like, what could be the deciding factor here. But we'll find out. And and I just feel like Steichen, like, this is what you hired him for. Like, let him have a say in this. And I really feel like he's going to have a big voice in this room. Will Levis, you know, reading all the interviews, listening to all the interviews and going back through the combine interview, like the most ridiculous thing he said, at least in my mind, was not really the canon thing. I get people that rub people the wrong way. I don't care. I'm like, you got to brag about yourself. If anybody else isn't going to do it, you got to talk about yourself. It was a little cheesy, maybe. Yeah, but who cares? But he also, I asked him what he could bring a team right now. And he's like, championship level play. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, he didn't even play for a championship at Kentucky. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I will say this. I walked out of the combine interview with Will Levis not really feeling it. Like you said, you were there and it just didn't. It, it kind of felt forced, forced confidence. Mm-hmm. A little bit. And it's not the best interview setting. You know what I mean? It's, it's right, kind of right. weird. It's, it's Lights like and 30 to 40 and... people shouting questions at you. You don't know any yeah. of them. And they're all kind of getting you to basically make a soundbite, right? It's not the best yeah, journalism, for like lack of a better phrase. And then I walked out of Kentucky a month later after talking to him at his pro day, and I had a completely different opinion of him. One, he was totally more at ease. His teammates really bought into him. And that's really important. I was watching him with his teammates the whole day. That matters. And he was really polite. He was really nice. And I walked out of there thinking, oh, okay, that's the Will Levis I've heard about from coaches, from teammates, from scouts around the league who have spent some time with him. So I don't think we should judge him just in based on that combine interview. But again, Ballard did say you can learn a lot about guys and how they handle these things. Maybe we can learn more about him when it's not perfect and it's a really ugly interview and it's not the best setup. I don't know. Maybe we're making too much of into it, but I came away with a different impression after his pro day. I think that he has shown a level of maturity that you kind of expect to see from someone who's been at two different schools. He's 23. You know, he's worked with, you know, NFL coaches, you know, already. And so there is a level of maturity and leadership that he has. Now, I'm not saying Anthony Richardson isn't a leader, isn't mature. But some of the comments that he's made, you know, it's like, wow, like this is stuff you don't say or you usually don't. Yeah. Hear like say. what was it at the combine? It was like 
your receivers dropped a lot of balls at Florida. He's like, yeah, if I throw it, you should catch it or something like that, right? He basically said, I can't throw it and I can't catch it too. And I yes, was like, oh, you just can't say nice. that as a quarterback. Cannot do now, his, his guys touch. did drop a lot of balls. They did. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was Well, you shouldn't throw them under players. the bus like that. It's not a good look for a Yeah, and then someone asked about, you know, the, the touch on his pass. He's like, well, if I throw it hard, you better catch it. And it's like, no, you don't say that. But then, you know, you hear reading other features that he's done. And, you know, there's been a lot of great features out there. I mean, all you got to do is Google this guy's name and read it. But, you know, he's saying, I'm an alien. I'm not from here. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. And, and it's like, Wow. Okay, like, and I'm not ever going to be the person that says, don't talk. Like, that's what we want in the media. We want you to say how you really feel. And he seems like he's. You think that turns teams off, though? Maybe a little bit, because it seems like he hasn't been humbled. Not saying he's not humble, but again, when you're being told for weeks on end, for months on end, that you're like, oh my gosh, you're the greatest prospect ever, it's hard to come down from that. And again, he hasn't, I mean, he had one season as a starter. This is just football wise. I'm not saying he hasn't faced adversity yeah, because you didn't, look at didn't his, have a winning season. Yeah, you look at his life, you read the Players Tribune article that he put out, like you can kind of get a sense of his makeup as a person. But football wise, you know, he didn't have the greatest season, but he also, you know, didn't get a chance necessarily to like redeem himself or bounce back or improve. So a lot of that is going to have to come with the, the highest level of your profession, which is really hard. So I think that, you know, if you come into an NFL locker room saying, I'm this, I'm that, I'm so great. That's great. Guys are going to like enjoy that until you fail. And then you have to see how do you respond? Who are you when things don't go your way? And when the media and when the fans turn on you. Now, me personally, I'm not going to, you know, ever try to make anything personal with an athlete. However, as you know, Zach, we have to do our jobs. And so we're going to talk about all these guys upside, what they could become if it's the right pick and, and why it was the right pick this week but if you get to you know week 13 and you started four or five games or whatever and all of them look bad we have to write they look bad how do you respond to that and then i think that that's going to be a different type of spotlight and as i've said on previous podcast episodes this franchise is different you're not just you're not walking into the jacksonville jaguars you're not walking into the browns you're walking into a franchise defined by peyton manning and at a lesser extent Andrew Luck, like those two guys since moving to Indianapolis have defined this franchise. You're going to get paired to those guys and people can, again, feel whatever they want to feel by Andrew Luck. But when he came out, everyone knew he was a dude. Like he was arguably the greatest quarterback prospect of that era, you know, because I mean, you said you're like, I listen to your podcast. Daniel Jeremiah, like who's done this for forever is saying the guy's floor is a multiple-time, multi-time pro bowler. That is insane. And obviously everyone knows if he continued, if he stayed healthy enough, and if he just wanted to keep, keep playing football, he would have been a Hall of Famer. So you're stepping into a franchise that had a Hall of Famer who, you know, is is one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, you know, shortlist of quarterbacks ever, the greatest regular season quarterback ever, in my opinion, for sure. And then another one who was, I mean, great from the very start. So can you handle that? Because in my opinion, no one in this class is going to be that good, you know, that soon. So we'll see, man. This this franchise has been defined by it. I think you hit on a really good point that, like, you don't really know who's a dude in this league until they get punched in the face, figuratively, right? And you're going to get punched in the face in this league at that position. I don't care who you are. And Manning was 3-13 and 13 his first year. Tom Brady couldn't even get on the field, right? Like, those are two of the best to ever play the game. And I feel like 
from what we know now, the 23-year-old is more adept at handling that than the 20-year-old, which is what you'd expect, right? Levis is 23, and I mean, he wasn't even at Kentucky yet. He was still at Penn State. He had decided to transfer, and he's blowing up Liam Cohen's phone, his offensive coordinator, asking for game tape, right? Like, I want to, I want, and then asking him 15 questions about each practice. Like, that's the guy you need just to make, just to give yourself a chance to win on Sundays. And Richardson is so early in his football career, really. I mean, you play one real season in college, and his high school numbers you would think would be super, super dominant. They weren't. And so this is all the stuff the Colts are peeling back. And like Shane Steichen said a million times, you call everybody. Ursay said you call his grade school coach. I mean, this is – I mean, they have PIs on staff. Like every NFL team has PIs, private investigators, who will dig into these guys. And this guy with this spotlight, with this choice, is going to be vetted to the nth degree. You know that. And that's what we just don't know. And, and we don't know the intangible because that's the fun part. That's the, the inexplainable. What they're going to do when it gets really hard because it's going to be really hard. I don't know if you play this guy right away. They've got Minshew on the roster. But as soon as this guy is drafted, he becomes the face of Indy. Whether he likes it or not, whether the team likes it or not, the question is going to be, can he become the next face of the franchise? And when you draft a guy at four, that's the plan. And if it doesn't work out, Ballard's not going to be here. That's the reality. And Jim Irsay kind of spoke to that. And the interesting thing he mentioned in Arizona was, you know, like all you fans out there listening, you're going to know if this is the guy two or three years in. Like, they don't have to have the wins to show for it necessarily, but you're going to know if this team's on the right trajectory and if this guy has the right stuff. That's usually how it works. Maybe we try to speed up the process too quickly. James, people are going to be tearing apart training camp reports on this guy if he has a bad day. Oh, absolutely. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. How he responds to it is really going to be what defines whether he's a guy that lasts in this league at that position. But with Richardson, he hasn't faced a ton of that in terms of football because of his gifts because of the football gifts that he has. But the reality is he's 20 years old and he's going to be asked to walk into a locker room full of grown men who are playing for their livelihoods and their salaries. And he's going to have to, he's going to have to be that guy every single day. It's easy to be that guy during the draft when everyone's telling you you're great. What happens when you're one and seven and you can't be the Jaguars, right? Like that's when it gets real. I think for Richardson, again, another factor is just getting on the field. I don't think that he's a guy who you can just sit for the entire year and feel comfortable about the direction of your team. Like you got to see him. And I say this because, you know, there's been past instances where guys have sat for a year, like Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. Obviously Tom Brady, he was a six round pick, but he, you know, he didn't start right away. Aaron Rodgers didn't start right away, but those teams also had really good quarterbacks ahead of them and were winning games. And so that's different. I think that with the Colts, Gardner Minshew, obviously, I think he was a great pickup. I think he was the best, like, free agent backup Richardson quarterback needs on the market. Reps. Yes. I just don't think you can sit that guy for an entire year. Don't let him play at all. Don't give him at least a little bit of fire and say, oh, yeah, that's our guy going forward. Like, I do expect to see him or really any, you know, rookie quarterback that they draft to be on the field, if not the start, at some point to at least get you know, four or five games under the belt to kind of just get a barometer of where he's at and where your team is at. Because, I mean, I don't think that you can bank on anything until you just see it, you know, when it matters most. And again, that's going to be on Sundays when the lights are bright and when, you know, you got the best in the league coming to humble you. I mean, you ask any defense, like, I mean, Bill Belichick kills rookie quarterbacks. 
lot of defensive corners enjoy that defensive players. Like you don't think they hear the chatter about how great Anthony Richardson is. You don't think they want to like humble that guy. It's I'm an alien. Levis yeah, well, like, welcome to earth to quote. Will yeah. Smith. And I'm thinking there's other aliens out there, you know, Aaron right. Donald and, you know, Micah Parsons and guys like that, that make life, you know, really, really hard for you. You know, sauce Gardner who say he's a, he's a rookie last year. He was first team all pro. That's something to say. So again, there's going to be times where you have to um, face the music and all that jazz. So no pun intended, but um, we'll see uh, how anyone that they pick responds to the adversity. And I know the boring thing to say, but the real thing to say is we really won't know if it was the right pick until the games start being played there and they're in there. And then even then until maybe like a year or two, two from years. now, I know it's exactly. not fun to say, but. It's really two years. Yeah, but I know we're going to have all our think pieces. We're going to have like right, wrong, whatever, whatever. But like you said, you just won't know. But again, you have to if, if anybody like needs to get closest to knowing to being certain, it's Ballard and company because, you know, I'll still be here covering the team regardless of who is the GM or the coach or the quarterback. But again, this is his, you know, livelihood. This is what he does. This is his profession. This is his job. So, you know, no pressure, as he says. And you just take the exam. But one thing I want to say, Zach, about this college exam thing. There's a ton of pressure. I was going, yeah, man. Like, And then even with the, the, the college exam uh, analogy or whatever you want to call it, man, look, that was one exam. And you get like four or five of them or whatever. Like, that's not the case at all with this. Um, I remember failing a college exam and thinking, all right, well, I just got to get like, B's and C's on the next few exams and I'll get through this class fine and get the same credit as I always do. And at the end of it, no one's going to care because you got the degree. That is not what no. happens with draft picks. Like, no, you do not get to forget what happened with a bad draft pick this high at that position. So just throwing that out there, you know, you brought it back to my college days, which was hilarious. But I was like, mm -mm, this is the test that only you are taking, Mr. Ballard. So me sounds prepared for it. And again, you got to sound confident. I don't think you can come out in a press conference and say, I don't know what I'm doing or all oh, there is hesitancy. No, even if you're lying, which, you know, KB asked him if he lies and he said he's dancing. So he's dancing pretty good right now, but the music will stop Thursday and uh, we'll have some some real results to to digest. Before we get out of here, I want to pivot a little bit to the rest of the roster. Right. And, and there are other draft picks, despite what you may have heard. James, you've kind of been digging into this a little bit. One, I'm, I'm kind of surprised they haven't added on the offensive line at all. That's very worrisome. They made this Man. mistake last year, and it bit them hard. I'm okay if you want to roll with Ryman at left tackle, but I'm not okay if you don't have a backup swing tackle in place. And then at right guard, you got Will Fries. Like, are you really okay with that? And again, this comes after us talking for 37 minutes about this quarterback pick and what you do with him and what you put around him. And it just feels like that's a gamble that just bit them so hard last year. Are they really willing to roll ahead with basically the same offense? plus Isaiah McKenzie instead of Paris Campbell? I think what Randy Mueller said, the former GM that I talked to for a piece of it on Lamar Jackson, he made this great point. I don't even think I put it in the piece, but he was saying how not having a quarterback in place really hinders your ability to sign players. Yes, because that's their agents the, are saying, well, who's throwing me the ball if it's a receiver? Exactly. And then it's also offensive line. Like, who am I blocking for? Like, you know, where is this team going? Like, offensive linemen are graded on the offense. You know, obviously you want to do your job and block, but, you know, you want to make sure that I'm going somewhere where we're going to put up some points. And then also he was even saying, like, it's, it's hard for defensive players to come there because it's like, who are we going to be landing on the line for and trying to get the ball back to, you know? So it isn't 
that surprising to me that they haven't signed anyone on the offensive line. Maybe more money, obviously, would get somebody to 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 come on over. But yeah, money talks in free agency. I have them taking at least two offensive linemen in the draft. They got nine picks. I think you take one early. You know, I've been banking on this, and and perhaps I've been too loud. Other teams are going to hear me. But if so, Cyrus Torrance is there. If really, if if I think if there is a solid guard slash tackle early in the you know in the draft. You need to take a hard look at him and what he could bring to this team and how he could uplift the the the, the unit, the line. And I think if Torrance is there, it's a no-brainer pick. I get it. Like, it's not the most sexy thing. But if you get that dude and you're able to just plug and play him right away and he uplifts your offensive line, that could do wonders. And also, I think that's ideal for them because they have three guys in the offensive line on big premium contracts. Nelson, Kelly, Smith. If you hit on Ryman, which we don't know, but he played better later in the season, right? You want to hit on the other guy, and you want to have him on a rookie contract. So that's already a conversation they've had, I'm sure, and that's what they want. Exactly. And then also had him taking, and this is my latest mock draft, by the way, Jordan McFadden from Clemson, offensive tackle, fifth round. He's a swing tackle type of player. Obviously, at that late in the draft, you're going to have some guys with some flaws, but. You know, he's got size. He's got, you know, pretty good short area quickness. And again, just someone who's more of an insurance piece and someone who could you could see possibly stepping in if needed to help bolster the offensive line. I'm really against handing the keys to Ryman and saying you're our left tackle of the future without having any like real real competition to come in, whether it's a rookie, a free agent, a veteran free agent, someone to just make it known that this isn't, you know, a given. You're not just going to be given this. And I don't expect Ryman to be wanting to, to be anything to be given to him. I'm just saying for as much progress as he's made, he didn't like dominate enough for, to me to be like, Oh, all the questions no. are done. Like he's the guy. No. Nobody like, did. Last yeah. Year. You, you need other people at that position competing, raising the level of the talent in that room. So I would expect him to at least take two offensive linemen in his draft early and then probably in that middle, you know, round range because, again, it's hard to get guys in free agency to come here where you don't have a quarterback. And as you said, the money, you know, factors in as well. If you can get someone really good really early, really cheap, that's a win-win-win. Defensive line and cornerback. They almost have to draft a cornerback, right? Look at the depth chart right they now. They don't have it's any cornerbacks. scary. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I had them taking two cornerbacks in the draft. I mean, and then even then, though, I think they, they still need to sign. sign one too. Yeah, they have to sign. Like they, like, I think unless they, they're just know. gonna. I mean, that's that's an insult to your front four. Like that's oh, just no, an man. insult to your I offense mean, too. As much as I like Isaiah Rogers, Dallas Flowers, I think that those guys are going to improve. Isaiah F- Rogers really, he looked like he could be a starter. Yeah, Keep but Morris it's different back. when you're the guy every down. It's different when you're I was not just going to say corner. that. I mean, that's exactly. Just, the more you like, see these guys, the more you see what they're really about. And that doesn't mean they can't be stars, but who boy, that's a risk. I mean, Zach, they have one multi-year starter at cornerback on the roster. And that's Kenny Moore, the second who is coming off, you know, a season where he didn't have, you know, a season that looked like a Kenny Moore pro bowl season. And so again, they need a lot of help at cornerback for sure. Um, they got to draft one and they definitely, I think need to go and get a veteran. Rocky Sin is still out there. Hey, you're familiar with them. You know him. So that could be a guy isn't again the most sexy name or whatever, but you're not gonna get real, you know, high caliber guys like Stefan Gilmore this late into the game as far as free agency goes, and without having, you know, a lot of direction for your team right now. So I think after the draft, 
again, they have to address it in the draft. But after the draft, when things get settled, they might be able to better flesh out. Yeah, you'll know bring in. if you draft two. Okay, you know, like the body counts. Yeah, you, you'll know what you need. And I think D-line, that's that's real. And they've been linebacker. They need some help there too. You know, so they've been dug in on the draft the last couple of weeks, and I totally understand it. But um, last thing before we let you guys get out of here, James, we've talked about the stakes with Chris Ballard and the importance of this decision and what happens if he misses. Let's flip that on its head. What if he hits? What if he gets this right? What if Richardson is a stud or Levis is the guy or they get Stroud and he walks in day one and is the guy? Does that change the narrative around this team? I feel like that could do wonders for this city, for this owner, for the fan base that's been through the ringer the last four or five years with this quarterback carousel. They're going to start their seventh different quarterback in week one this year. That ties a league record the most consecutive years with a different starter in week one in league history. I haven't really moved ahead too far because each of these prospects have so many questions, but if he nails it and he was right with that confidence and that cockiness they exuded on Friday, how much different does mini camp and, 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 and training camp and, and the season feel if you start to see the signs that this is a guy and they nailed this pick, man, I think it changes everything. You were here when they got Andrew luck, you were here when they um, kind of went through like that. Yeah, but there was less vital. suspense. Like it was exactly. like, oh, he's a dude. Like right away. And you're just like, oh, he's. There was no question. It was just he was such a star. Agreed. But if. if I'll There's so much uncertainty example. with this one. If there's a Jalen Hurts type of, you know, development where he goes from, uh, you know, is he the guy to, oh, my gosh, this is a top five guy in the league. I think that a lot will be forgiven because. <laughs> right. I mean, what matters is. The quarterback, and especially in this, in the AFC, I mean, there's a lot of talented quarterbacks, and this is, you know, an arms race to the top. You got to get a guy who can change games, not only for your franchise, but when you walk on the field, you think that your guy is better than the other guy, which is yes. very rare. And to you do. always have a chance, no matter how poorly the game's going. Those exactly. guys are hard to find and hard to keep. But if you get one, as Shane Steichen said, you don't let him leave. And that's what Philly just did. Yeah. And I think that, again, you look at, just put it like this. If you give the ball to Philly with two minutes to go, you know, you're down three, you need a touchdown, you need, you need a field goal. You trust him to go do that. You trust Joe Burrow to go do that. You obviously trust Mahomes to do it because he's done it, you know, many times over. I would say that Jacksonville feel confident in their guy and Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah. again, you have to be confident in that. And I think that if Chris Ballard hits – one, he'll uh, he'll let us know about it eventually, you know, if it leads to a lot of success. I'm sure he will. You know, um, but it also would wash away a lot of just the aimlessness of these last few seasons. I think that this team just hasn't had an identity since Andrew Luck retired. Um, they were thrown the curviest curveball of all time with that, you know, his retirement. But can't use that excuse forever. Now you're you're in a you know you're in a position to change the franchise to get it right, and he's always talked about getting it right. So if he does, credit where credit is due, and this franchise will look a lot different. And I think even just the the vibe around the team, the players, who you can bring in changes drastically. A.J. Brown isn't asking to go to the Eagles or get traded or whatever, you know, if Jalen Hurts isn't there. Like, these are things that really, really matter as far as, you know, bringing in talent. You know, for example, Stephon Diggs isn't going to the Buffalo Bills if Josh Allen isn't there. So, again, this stuff matters. And so I'm excited to see what will unfold. And I'll be here to cover it all. So, I mean, good, bad, or ugly, we'll see. But, God, I'm so glad I'm not, you know, the person, you know, responsible for making this pick. Because Ballard has made that very clear. Like, 
and it's obvious, but we can make our picks. We can give our predictions. We can say whatever, but like, Zach, we'll just write about whatever anyways. So it's yeah, not we like our jobs are depending on this. We don't have any exactly. Skin in the game. Like he yeah. has a lot it's of easy skin for in the our game. mock drafts to be terrible, right? Oh, exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it's it's what he said since August of 2019 when Andrew walked away. We can take one just to get y'all off our ass, but we got to take the right one. That comes Thursday night. They're gonna take one, and whether they get the right one will play out over time. But I think it's gonna be fun, and I think simply having a rookie quarterback in the building is gonna change the tenor around this team. There's gonna be hope. There's going to be optimism. There's going to be belief that the future is going to be better than it has been. So no Lamar Jackson? No. (laughs) And I walked out. I walked out of Arizona. I told you guys. They've just been punting every year, and they played the short-term game, and that's tough, right? They're kind of balancing the long-term build with the short-term competitiveness, and it blew up in their face. And I think when you accept where you are and you go get a young passer and then you try to build around that guy for the foreseeable future, as Ursay said, 10 to 15 years, I think there's a different feeling around the building. And I think that gives you stability and it gives you a little bit more footing when it comes to free agency. And if you get it right, then everything's easier. When you get it right, everything is easier. You can make a credible case that the build around the quarterback has been pretty good the last couple of years, except for the offensive line last year. But when you don't have that position, it doesn't matter. And that's how I mean, 2021 ended, and that's how 2022 never got started. Yeah, I mean, what was Jacksonville without Trevor Lawrence? They weren't going anywhere. They, they were picking in the anything. top five every year. What were the Bengals doing before they got Joe Burrow? Yeah. Like, they were irrelevant. They were irrelevant. Like, same thing with the Bills. Like, we look at them now, it's like, oh, my gosh, they're powerhouses. Oh, my gosh, they're really good. They're good every year. Started with one draft pick. right? And they got, the, they got the dude. Even the yeah. Chargers, like, they weren't all that great. And then they got... Justin Herbert, and you expect him to be a playoff team every year. Now, I wouldn't put him in the same tier as you know other you know great quarterbacks as far as you know the the Joe Burrows and the and the you know Jalen Hurts and stuff like that. However, that franchise probably feels really good about the quarterback they got. They feel like they have a dude, and a dude changes everything. When you got a dude in any sport, but specifically in football, you got a dude at the most important position. It changes everything. I don't care. Like, I'll be honest. Even when like. Joe Burrow was getting killed. What they they're still trying to figure it out as far as the offensive line. When you turn on the game, Joe Burrow's on. You think he has a chance to win because it's Joe Burrow. Like yeah. even if he's running for his life, even yeah. when Patrick Mahomes was running for his life in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay, had no offensive line, he got a hurt toe. You think, oh, they got a chance because he's back there. That matters. A that ton. feeling is what they've been chasing, really. And for they four need it. Years. And and I think that it's also contagious throughout the team. Like you get a guy yes, who's back there who knows, hey, Players I'm tell him. You that. I'm as I'm as great as they say I am. I'm as good as they say I am. That raises the confidence and level of play around the entire team. And you're going to see more confidence in guys like Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman Jr. Like, what do you think he would do if they hit on a guy and he's still here and signs an extension? Like, that yeah. dude probably is, is going to be in heaven. Like, do you think he wouldn't mind playing for Patrick Mahomes or, or Joe Burrow right now or Jalen Hurts? He just wants to play like... with the same quarterback two years in a row. <laughs> Like that's the bottom line for him. Like just uh, and he's nicer than me, man. I mean, and, and seriously, this this stuff affects careers. How would Michael Pittman Jr.'s extension or outlook look if he had a consistent quarterback back there throwing him the ball? Like what would his market value be? Right. Yeah, you look at Mike Evans, he's had all these thousand yard seasons in a row, but he's also had like a consistent guy back there. Even if he isn't good, just like they he needs that. Now the Colts want a great player, they need a great player. But again, they also need, to your point, the same player. Like, my goodness, I feel like every time yeah. you look at, you yeah. know, and, and it's it's crazy. I think it's been something like nine quarterbacks that Ryan Kelly has snapped to as a starter 
during you can his name career, them all seven too. seasons. Now, you know, some of them was like, you know, Scott Tolzien and stuff like that. But I mean, still, it, it matters that you have a guy back there. You started three quarterbacks last year, which in and of itself is a dysfunctional season. And so, you know, just get, you know, if there's only two this year, Gardner Minshew and a rookie, you're making progress. All right. <laughs> Thursday night, they will hopefully, finally, mercifully take a guy at quarterback. We really believe they will at number four, possibly at number three, probably somewhere in there. We'll see what happens. But it's decision day for Chris Bowd. It might be the most consequential pick of his seven-year tenure. I think it is. I think it's easy to make that argument. And like you said, James, the, the ramifications for this pick will impact players and will impact this franchise for five to 10 years, if not longer. That's how big this decision is. They can downplay it all they want. This is everything. This is everything. This is the hole you haven't had the last couple of years. It's the reason you didn't make the playoffs in 2021. And it's the reason your season was an absolute mess last season, among other things. So the stakes are immense. The choices are there. And mm -hmm. we just do not know what they're going to do. We do not know. And anyone telling you they know what the Colts are going to do, does not know either. I really genuinely believe that. Talked to a lot of people. It's going to be fun. The draft really starts at two when Houston goes, but we will be there. We've got a ton of coverage on The Athletic right now. I made the case for Anthony Richardson. I made the case for Will Levis. James is going to dig into what if CJ Stroud falls, how realistic is that, and how much does that change things for the Colts? And again, Bob Kravitz has a really fascinating story on sort of behind the scenes with the 98 draft. A lot of the stories you've heard over the years, not exactly accurate. He's talking to Peyton. He talked to Ryan Leaf. He's talking to Bill Polian. He talked to Lee Steinberg, Leaf's agent. So I love stories like that. And that obviously was the greatest pick, the greatest draft pick in the history of this franchise. So maybe, maybe Thursday night will be a top five pick in the history of this franchise. We'll see. But the stakes are immense. We'll and it's going to be finally, 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 no more mocks, no more rumors, no more speculation. Oh, we're going to finally get an answer. And then we're going to go to work because we're going to have a lot to dissect. And I want to figure out why they came to the conclusion they did. We'll be there Thursday night. We'll be there Friday night. We'll be there all day Saturday. And the coverage will not stop from there. We'll get to talk to the Colts. Scouts on Saturday afternoon. We'll probably talk to owner Jim Irsay as well. So we will have everything you need at The Athletic over the next couple of days and weeks and months as the Colts transition into a new era. So for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. Only two more days, and we'll catch up with you guys Thursday night after they hopefully draft a quarterback in the upper quartile of winners we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile that's rare error